0: What we don't tell you is the mom built the (laughs) birdhouse, right? (laughs) Can we just start by thanking our moms right now? Just give them a cheer and a clap and a thank you. Love you for all that you guys do. And it's, there's a lot. In fact, I can remember when it was, I don't know if it necessarily was Mother's Day, but when I was young, as you know, I'm talking young, we'd, my family would go to church like Christmas, Easter, maybe Mother's Day. And all I can remember about those days was I had to wear a suit. So um, I, I see some of you here dressed in your very nice, nice clothes for your photos. And I, I know how you feel. Uh, there was just this kind of sense of like, oh, I got to wear this. And you know, walk out there and then go to church and, and sit down. But you know what? That's awesome. You're here with your mom. If you're here today with with your mom, we are excited because um to so just to be honest, I'm gonna just pull the curtain back from church stuff and church life and just to say that a lot of times we at churches we get really excited when we get to see people we don't normally see. Because oftentimes we're like, what can we do to get people here to hear about stuff and, and give part? And we're like, uh ah. We just give up, but mothers, you guys work it. You bring all the all your your husbands and your kids together, and we 're just glad that you guys are here and so normally, we would give a sermon on Mother 's Day to moms and all that kind of stuff and what I wanted to do today was kind of give a different a different take and I wanted to talk to you guys in the vein of what we're speaking about called simple faith and and one of the things I was thinking about is a lot of you have been coming to church for years and years, maybe with your mom, maybe here and there, maybe you went as a kid, you were part of the, like I was part of a children's ministry for years and then kind of somewhere along the line, you just kind of stopped and, and now you're back today, it's like your one time, you kind of don a door of a church and, and I know in our minds, it's kind of like, you got this figured out, you know, you're here, you're blessing your mom, but this isn't your kind of place, it's not normally your kind of thing and I get that because to be honest, when I look back at what church is about and the way that church has been described... I get nervous that we've given the wrong impression and that a lot of you have made determinations and decisions about whether or not to go to church or whether or not to be a Christian over some things that I think of as complications. You, you, you used to come, you've used you come to church, and like me, you had to dress in your Sunday best. You had to look right. You had to sit down. Like, my mom would have freaked out we all clapped after the amen. Like, she was just like, you don't clap after an amen. I don't know where she got that from. It's not written in the Bible, but man, she was on that one. I was like, you do not clap after amen. I was like, yeah, no, mom says no. So it, maybe you felt like some of those pressures at church. It's the do's and the don'ts. And you can't eat that. You can't drink that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And you've gotten the impression that church is about being a good person. And so a lot of you guys have gone out into the world and you found out something really interesting. You can be a good person without church. You can be a good person without Jesus. And you're kind of like, I don't really need church. Um, you know, you come and here and there maybe, and, and but it, it seems like it's about being a good person. Or maybe you've been to a church where honestly you, you'd come and you saw in the worship people has got their arms up and they're singing songs and you're sitting here kind of going like, why are we singing? And this is kind of, I don't understand that lyric and that's weird. And, you know, there's kind of this disconnect for you and you go, you know, you know, if that's a spiritual reality, if the, you know you think of spirituality in a certain way. People speaking out, maybe you've grown up in a church that had you come forward and pray over you to to receive some kind of tongues, and people stand up and say say things that you don't get. What's going on? Or you you had people tell you, you know you do, you need to have enough faith, and you didn't have enough faith for somebody to get healed, or whatever. There's a sense that we can go. You know, if that's what spirituality is, you know, I, I see myself as a practical person. I see myself as a scientific person. Maybe I just don't need that spirituality. Maybe, in fact, I, that's just not who I am. And so um, you, you kind of don't come with your wife or you don't, you've not come back to church. And I want to talk about those kind of things today. Because what I want to tell you is that maybe, maybe somewhere along the line, we've, as a pastor, speak of a we, meaning kind of me or other pastors or other speakers have complicated some things, made it confusing, and not told you the truth about what this is really about. In fact complicating Christianity has been happening since the beginning of Christianity. I mean, you can go all the way back to when the Bible itself is being written to churches as letters, and you run into this very interesting situation that there were these teachers that would come in and they would multiply all the do's and all the don'ts, and they would come into all these different conversations about what spirituality looked like. Even back then, they were complicating it. And so this man, Paul, writes a letter. He he was a church planter. He was, you know, as the Apostle Paul, and he was an author of several of the the letters and books in in the Bible. And in one of the letters that he writes to a church in Colossae, he's trying to deal with one of these teachers who's complicating Christianity. And in his book, he's trying to simplify it, get it down to the core, get it back to what it's centrally about. And that's what I want to do for you today, so that maybe you can have a chance to reevaluate, have you looked at this In the right way. Is it really about being a good person? Is it really about being spiritual? What is it really about? And so as we do that, I want you to, if you got a chance, open up to Colossians chapter two. If you brought a Bible, that's cool. You can do it on your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. We provide them under the seats. You'll find it on page 984, or maybe you're at home and, and you have a Bible, you can pick it up if you're watching this on Facebook, or even if you want to go ahead and um, uh, open up our app, we have our notes in there and you can follow along and take notes and also follow that scripture. And so it's right there in Colossians chapter two. And so what Paul is getting into is he's trying to kind of to a- Decomplexify. How's that for a big, complex word? And it's like he's trying to simplify this term and this idea of Christianity. He's already said, look, everything can be summed up in this one mystery called Jesus Christ within us. And then last week we saw Tim said it's really just about following Christ, and he'll kind of work everything out. And what I want to do is jump on top of that because it is all about just following Christ, and complexity occurs by his followers. Complexity is added by us in the church not intended by Christ. Notice how he begins this in verse 16. He says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of Food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. He's saying, look, don't let anybody kick you out of the church. Don't let anybody make you think you're not a Christian because of these various things food and drink, uh, regard to how you worship. Those last three are really a Jewish festivals, Jewish worship times, from the grandest annual festivals, which are like huge things you had to go do in Jerusalem, down to the monthly kind of celebrations in your village, to the Weekly celebrations in your home. And he's saying, look, this is kind of the standard way people worship God from the Jewish perspective. And he says, "Let's don't let anybody pass judgment on you because they're trying to tell you this is how you have to worship. This is how you have to do this. You can't drink that and you can't eat that and you must drink this. And you can't drink that. And maybe, you've, maybe you think they're arguing about alcohol in this text. They're not. They're actually arguing about, check this out. Milk. Anybody argued about milk lately, other than like pasteurization? So like that. it's like if you're like into health world you're like yeah milk's evil No, in their case milk is it was weird. It comes from a Leviticus text where they say don't boil the kid, meaning the baby goat, in the milk of the mother. And so you would take and you'd have this, these baby goats and you would occasionally use one for a meal. And they would say, don't, just when you do that, don't boil it in the milk of the mom. That just seems deviant and wrong. The very thing that's supposed to supply the nourishment to the baby, the very thing that you end up cooking it in, that's just weird. And so they didn't do that. And instead what they did is they got even more weird. They're like, oh, by the way, if you're eating meat, you don't know where that milk came from. It might have come from its mom. So don't drink milk with meat. Just don't do it at all. Because you might be mixing the milk of the mother with the meat of the child. And so they got into all these special rules of don't drink this, when you're that way, and don't do that. And it was all around milk. Today they will put milk in one refrigerator and meat in another. They don't want to mix these things. They don't want them to touch. And it's gotten really complex. And this is the kind of stuff that they're talking about here. All these do's and all these don'ts and all this stuff. And it just begins to show you, while this was traditional and the way that they lived and the way that they thought, it's we that complicate Christianity by pushing our preferences on others. And what you're going to discover is that this is, this is common in the church. This idea of these certain ways we should do worship, these certain times we should do this, the certain foods you should eat, the way you should dress, you should wear your Sunday best or whatever. We complicate these things. And I can, I can point to two very very larger Christian kind of sects that are out there um, uh, or they want to claim they're Christian. And one of them is the Seventh-day Adventists, just down the road. These guys are like, nope, you worship on Saturday and only on Saturday. And if you do not worship on Saturday, you are not following Jesus. And if you don't follow these particular food rules and these particular things, you're not following Jesus. Now, some there are Christians in that in that group, but then there's another group that does this at a new level. The Mormon Church, you need to wear literally a white shirt with a black tie when you go to church on Sunday with slacks. You ladies, you have to wear a dress. This is how this works, and that's your dress code. And on top of that, you must. There's no new kind of music. You got to only approved kinds of music, only approved by the main church, and then you got to go through these rites and these rituals and all these secret ideas and handshakes and things in order to really be considered a Christian. To really be considered a follower of Christ, you got to follow all these rules. You can't drink caffeine and you can't drink these things. Boom, they got all the same things we're looking at here. And I'll tell you what, the, if, you're an, if you're a Christian who goes to church every day, if you're an evangelical, you're like, that's just that, that's obvious that this text is against that. And yet we do the same things, guys. We need to be so careful. I mean, how many churches have people been in and it's like, you're not wearing the right shoes or you're not wearing the right shirt. You know, you can't say, you can't clap after amen. You know, you know, your problem is you shouldn't be wearing a hat when you pray. Man, I ran into that one. It's like, and you got to uncover your head when you pray. Well, that's from the scripture, but we don't tell all you ladies to put on hats before we start praying, which comes from the same scripture. You know, we get into these arguments and these debates about how we should dress, about what kind of food. You shouldn't drink that alcohol. You, should, you shouldn't drink that. You shouldn't eat that food. You shouldn't touch that thing. You shouldn't be a part of that. Don't go see that movie. Don't go do that thing. And we put all these do's and don'ts on top of people. And suddenly it feels like this is all about like what I can and can't do. It's about being a good person. One of the weirdest things is we get so into it, we argue over what kind of worship music should be allowed in the church. Should it be hymns and, and, and you know, these older and beautiful songs that repeat themselves? Or these newer rock and roll songs with these moods and these emotions and like, yeah, and, uh, or is it just like, does God care? And we get a thing called worship wars. Literally, churches split and fight over what kind of music should be allowed in the church. You end up with people who get upset about what version of the Bible you're using. Is it the King James Version with these and thous and holier and all that? Or is it the you know the ESV version or the you know the living the living Bible or you know whatever. We you know what's crazy is we have ninety thousand versions in English, right? And there are cultures out there that have zero. And we argue over which one we ought to be reading. See, what we're doing is we're taking our preferences and we're pushing them on people. That's exactly what was going on in the church. What was going on is he says, don't pass judgment with questions of food and drink in regard to how you worship. See, it was the preference of the Jewish Christians. They'd grown up worshiping this way. This is how they always worshiped God. This is how they always did these things. So the Gentiles should do it the same way too. Paul says, no, that's not how it works. In fact, he goes on to say, these are the shadow other things to come. Does anybody here not cast a shadow? I think everybody casts a shadow, so it's not a hard, hard illustration to use. But imagine you know somebody who's standing behind a pillar and their shadow is shining out on the side, and you're kind of like, I know that person. Th- that, that's so and so's shadow. And as you walk up to that shadow, you walk up and you follow that shadow, and boom, it leads to a person. That's what shadows do. They lead to the person that's casting the shadow. You don't walk up to the shadow. I mean, this would be really weird, or you see the shadow and you're like, hey! It's my wife. Well, how are you doing? And you just keep talking to the shadow. That would make no sense. The substance of the person is there. Talk to the person. You can't relate to a shadow. You can't love the shadow. You love the person. And what he says is, look, all these Jewish rites, all these Jewish things, all of this stuff, all the festivals, all of the food laws, everything was pointing to Jesus. It was his shadow because the substance or the body is what it says, belongs to Christ. He says it's not about the preferences, it's about following Jesus. It's about following Christ. The preferences, actually, when you begin to examine, I've I've been around church enough and I've talked to enough people that the preferences have far more to do about where you were at when you came to Christ or when you first had an experience of Jesus than it does about what is actually in the Bible. I've met men and women who are like, they love the hymns, man. I love hymns. My hymn love came from my seminary classes and talking about them, what they meant. Some people love the hymns because it moves them. All they have to hear is, How great thou art, how great thou art. And you're like, I'm ready to cry. It just moved you, right? Even that little bit moved some of you. You're ready to go. Others of you, all I got to start singing is, Jesus. And you're like, Maranatha, I'm in. You know, (laughs) Calvary Chapel on the beach. I'm good to go. You're like, why don't we do that every week, Greg? Come on. Others of you, it's like, all you got to start hearing is delirious. And and, and, then I can hear the mountains tremble. And you're like... Oh, I hate that song. But anyway, the the idea for some of us is that you're just ready to raise your hands and your junior hires are like looking at you like, that's weird. You know, because they're not into that music. What they're into is the music that's moving them now. And what happens is we stand up and we go, no, that's how the church is. And we spiritualize our preferences. This is how we've always done things. This is how we've dressed. Nope. Pretty sure you couldn't find Jesus in a suit and a tie. But he was in a Sunday best. Pretty sure they didn't have Sunday bests in a poor world of the first century. I don't mind the idea. And that's where we begin to see that what these preferences should be about is Jesus. Many of us have taken the way that we're motivated to worship God, many of the ways that move our soul to be in presence with God, and we've made it the rule for everyone else. And that's the danger. And suddenly we turn it into you should or this ought to be, do this or do that or don't do this and don't do that. And we place them on people as rules to follow. But the substance belongs to Christ. It's about following Jesus Christ. It's about what's led us to a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, I think Paul makes, a, makes this a very strong point when he comes to the book of Romans, he says, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person belie- eats only vegetables. Now, this has nothing to do with modern-day vegetarianism, and the weak does not have anything to do with your physicality. It means spiritually weak. They believe that if they eat particular kinds of meat that was offered to idols they had sinned against God, that this had been offered up to Zeus, and they're like, I'm not going to eat that. That, that. That's, like, tainted other people had no conviction about this. They're like, big deal. That's not a God anyway. This, we're going to pray over this. We're going to bless this. We're fine. And so he said, some people would eat meat. Some people don't eat meat. So there's these debates out there. Some of you want to dress in your Sunday best. Others of you, you want to be California casual, and you're good to go. Some of you want rock and roll music. Some of you want hymns. Some of us want these preferences. Well, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Don't let the one who's eating meat Thing, despise the guy who, who's not. Pff, what's wrong with you? You should be eating meat. It's not like it's anything. What's wrong with you? You can drink alcohol. It's not like it's going to hurt you or something. I mean, just don't get drunk. What's the problem with you? What's wrong with you? At least you can, you can be casual. You don't have to always wear the suit and tie. You hear how we can do this? And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. No, you're sinning if you drink that. No, you're sinning if you don't wear that. No, you're sinning if you don't eat that food. And he says, this isn't isn't how it is. You don't do this for God's welcomed him. These are preferences that lead us to worship God, but they're not something that we should be dividing over. In fact, he will go on to say, one person esteems one day better than another. In our case, one service better than another, right? Second service people, amen? This is your service, yeah. None of you want to go to Saturday night, those crazy Saturday night people. Saturday's when you go to the movies, not to church, you know, whatever, but you got your reasonings. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. It's not a matter of when you worship or how you worship. He's like, listen, this is about whether or not you're convinced from Scripture this is right. Whether you're convinced by the Lord that this is correct. He goes on to say, the one who observes the day observes it in what? In honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. And since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor to the Lord and gives thanks to God. In other words, whatever you're doing, however you do it, whatever your preference is, do it as honoring the Lord. So that we're all honoring the Lord in the way that God has called us to. I'll give you some simple examples. I do not get involved in social media. I'm just not on it. It's, God's convicted me. It wouldn't be healthy for me. It's not something that would be good for my family. It wouldn't be good for my marriage. It wouldn't be good for the church. So I don't, I don't have a Facebook page. I don't have an Instagram page. Now, I don't stand up here and look at everybody and go, you're all sinners for being on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Repent. You know, that's not what I'm here to do. That's, that's, God has convicted me of something that helps me stay in right relationship with him because I'm following Jesus. And I pray that you have thought through what you're convicted in as you follow Jesus so that you can follow him rightly and follow him truthfully for where you're at because you need to do whatever you do in honor of the Lord. In fact, he goes on to say, for if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. It's all about following Jesus. The rest of it, we like to complicate things, and we like to put our preferences in as a complication. Now, some of you have chosen to kind of back out of the church because of all those do's and don'ts, and, and what I want to challenge you is maybe instead consider beginning to follow Jesus, following who he is, reading about him, and beginning to learn what Jesus is saying and doing what Jesus is leading you to as you learn about Jesus. Jesus. But does that mean then you're going to have to become a super spiritual person? You know, like where you stand around in the church going like, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? You know, that kind of thing and screaming at, at, a, at Harvest Crusades at each other. And is this what we need to have? Because, uh, you know, contrary to um, sometimes our worship teams and me can get a little like, you need to show your love for God. Come on, because we want you to have this experience you need to have this thing. I mean, are you supposed to get to this place where your experience has to be my experience See, I, I've had this happen to me before. Years ago, I was in college, and what was interesting about my, um, my time in college, and my group of my friends heard about this revival movement in, in Corona. And so a cadre of me and my buddies, we went there because somebody we knew we were discipling had started going to this church, playing on the band. So we sat down in the back rows in these folding chairs. The place was only about as big as the two sections right here and back to the back of the room. And it was a tiny little location. There were about 50 to 60 people in the room, and there was this you know, band on stage, and our friend was playing the bass, and it was like, boom, 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 boom. For two hours straight. Same beat, whole time. I mean, it's kind of this like vibe in the room and they're singing a song, same beat as the other song. Suddenly the pastor gets up and he starts preaching and talking and doing this stuff. And somebody over here starts speaking in tongues. I'm like, yep, that happens. I've seen that. I'm okay. That's, that's, that's cool. But then he starts going up down the row and he starts smacking people on the head. whack whack, And guys are just falling over. And they're not just falling over. They're like, going, as they're falling on the ground. And I'm like, Okay, now that I know happens, but I don't know if that happens in the Bible. This is interesting. What's going on here? And as he's doing this, going down the rows, he gets, he, he starts, then he starts like flinging it. Like as if he's got like the Holy Spirit baseball or something. And this guy literally is about as far as this to here is dancing. And he's doing this dance thing like he's laying. And I'm just like, what is he doing? And suddenly he just, he goes like this and the guy goes, eh. And he freezes in mid-dance, does a trust fall backwards onto the folding chairs, scattering folding chairs everywhere, and starts shaking violently on the ground. And I'm like, dude's having a seizure. Let's help this guy. And they're like, it's the Holy Spirit. Get away from him. And I'm like, we're interpreting something radically different here. Next thing you know, we're standing there and he's coming up to us. Ow. And that's about as far as it went. By the end of the night in our conversations, this pastor was telling us we were not Christians because we were not having the experiences these other people were. I don't know what they were experiencing. I'm not here to judge that. I'm here to tell you that is not how we work, where we push our experiences upon other people. You see, what happens is Paul it deals with this. He says, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. Now, asceticism is this idea that you're going to starve yourself, climb up on a high mountain, eat weeds for a year and a half and have a spiritual enlightenment, and now you're a guru. Or find yourself out in the middle of nowhere and trying to show that your spirits are powerful by carrying large buckets with long hooks so that you can hurt yourself. No, this has nothing to do with spirituality worshiping angels so that you know their names and can call upon them and know the rubric of heaven and and you know how it works and you have the secret knowledge or going on in detail about visions of God. I've seen God. I know what he did. Oh, you got to have this. Don't let anybody disqualify you in that. See, because the thing is we complicate Christianity by holding hyper spiritual expectations at times. We can cause ourselves a problem by trying to claim that my experience of Jesus needs to be your experience of Jesus or else you don't know Jesus. And that can be as simple as you need to raise your hands, you need to shout and sing. You see, I'm a pretty demonstrative person when it comes to worship. I view it as a sport, not as something that you just come in and stand at. You got to, I mean, ready position is foot forward, leg back, ready to go. You know, I'm ready to to walk with Jesus. I'm ready to dance with Jesus. I'm not going to shout out, I'm going to sing the song, but I like getting into worship. It's part of who I am. My wife, she loves Jesus and she, this is about as expressive as she will get. Maybe she'll raise to here once in a while, but that's, that's, this is good for her. And that's cool because here's the thing. Her emotions for Jesus are super deep. And mine in comparison to hers are like a little trickle of stream. I may be demonstrative, but she's deep. And who am I to claim what she is experiencing in the depth of her emotions has to be expressed in the way that I experience my little trickle of emotion. And see so the beauty is not found in everybody being the same. It's found that God can be met in your physical work in your hands, that he is met in the mental attempt with your mind, that he is met in the emotions and the expressions of those emotions, that God is experienced in a multitude of different ways because he made a multitude of different kinds of people. And what happens is when we tell people, you must have my experience or this experience, we divide the church up. And what happens is you can wind up feeling like you've been disqualified. Many people have left the church feeling they don't have enough faith or they don't have that experience. And so they say, look, I don't have an experience like you do of God. I must not be a Christian. Can I tell you that's not how this works? That if you've eliminated yourself from the church, if you've walked away or perhaps you felt insignificant or inferior to other people in the church who are expressive in their worship, that it's actually about you following Jesus and not how it comes out all the time. In fact, some of you have indicated you, you know this. You, you see this. One of the reasons you left is because you're looking at this, and this next line it fits, your, fits you. This this is what's describing the guy who's teaching everybody. They must be in the same way like him. He says these people are puffed up because it's all about how they experience it. They're without reason. And how many people have left going like, man, those people do not think. It's all about faith. They don't have answers to my questions. They're not. And it's all about. The sensuous mind, it's all about my experience, my senses, my feelings, what I can touch, taste, feel. And he says, look, here's what's wrong. They are not holding fast. This teacher is not holding fast to the head. And this is the danger. I'm not saying that those who do this are always not Christians. What I'm saying is the danger is that churches that do this wind up being more fixated on the experience and less fixated on Jesus. And it's about following Jesus. Notice what he says, he says, this is, they're not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Wait, stop again. That we need to be holding fast to the head, not, not our experiences, so that the whole body, how much? All of it. See, it's not just simply you follow Jesus, it's follow Jesus together, together. Christianity is a team sport. Do you ever think about it that way? It's a team sport. It's it's not an individual sport. You know you know what I think of when I see a kid trying to play baseball all by himself. That's sad. That kid needs some friends. That's what I think. It's like, well, you can't play baseball by yourself. Throw the ball, try to chase it, try to hit it. Oh, I've got to go chase the ball. That's sad. No, you've got to have other people to play baseball. You need a whole team. In fact, even three really isn't enough. You're like hitting the ball, and one kid's running like, you know, all over the place. You're waiting for them to get the ball back to you. And you know, somebody's got to be the catcher. It, it needs a whole team. Same thing is true of the church. we got to be a whole team. You know what I think when I see a Christian all by themselves who claims they're a Christian that doesn't go to church and all they're doing is doing their little Bible study? I think, ah, oh, that's sad. They need a small group. They need some friends. They need a church because it's a team sport. Yeah, go get your skills down. Know how to throw the ball. Know how to hit it well. Know how to run the bases. Know how what you're doing for your skill base Because it makes the team better. Why go have a quiet time? Why go spend time with God? It's not the to-do's and you have to. It's about, hey, I want to provide something for the community. I want to be better for everybody else just as an athlete wants to be better for the team. That's what this is about is that we're growing in Christ because he called us to do this together. You can't eliminate yourself and go, you know, I'm going to go do this by myself. When Jesus says, no, you grow as a team. You grow together. And so if we can't escape and go do our own thing, we got to be a part of the church. And you don't eliminate yourself because of all these other things that are just complications. And it's all just about following Jesus together. You're going to run into a new problem if you want to try this out. And that that problem is called you and everybody around you. So the church would be perfect without the people. Trust me. That's not an insult. We all agree, right? That's like, we're all a mess. You're going to meet, when you walk together with other people, you're going to meet sinners. You're going to meet messes. And it's sometimes going to be the pastor or the secretary or the person sitting next to you. And, when, and, and it's so easy to go, hypocrite, hypocrite, until you try walking in it with everybody else and you start going, hypocrite, hypocrite, because we're inconsistent. And we mess up. And so you know what we do? We look at each other and go, like, that's nasty and that's ugly sin and I've got ugly sin and I don't want anybody to see my ugly sin and I wanted want to see their ugly sin because that's really ugly and I don't really want to deal with this. So you know what you do? Since you can't leave, we complicate. See, it's the heart condition to complicate things And that's where Paul goes to last. He says, the issue is that we complicate Christianity because we want to regulate one another's sin. We want to regulate our sin. I want to regulate everybody else's sin. We want to regulate our kids' sin. We don't like sin. Sin scares us. Sin's nasty. It's ugly. It's uncomfortable. And so it's so much easier to regulate each other because guess what? It's easier for me to control your behavior than it is to change your heart. And we would rather control behavior and change your heart. Notice how Paul just puts this in here as we continue on in verse 20. He says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, and what he means there is all these gods of the, of, of the other religions and all the ways that they made you do all these rituals and all these rules to be good and bad and all this stuff. He says, If you died to all those rules and died to all that stuff, Then why do you keep on as if in that world, still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Let me put it this way. Guys, if you think it's the church that builds a lot of rules, I think you need to go look at our government. You want to talk about who's building tons of rules. What color your grass can be, how how much water you can use, how clean the air can be, whether or not you're allowed to breathe or not. I'm I'm not kidding, but it's getting close. Whether you can exit the state, whether you can, I mean, they literally have turned the world into a control room because they want to control behavior. We don't want people to die and we don't want anybody to get hurt anymore. We don't want anybody to have a boo-boo, a bully or anything else. We have got this under control. You come to the church, and that's just human complications. It's about following Jesus. And he says, look, what we do is we complicate it. Why, if we've escaped that world, do we want to go back and submit to all these regulations of do not handle and do not taste and do not touch? All of these refer to things that are perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. They're human teachings. And last, he says, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom. They promote self-made religion, not God-made religion, self-made, and asceticism, super-spirituality by beating yourself up and severity to the body. But they're of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This behavior modification cannot change the heart. I'll tell you, it's true. I have children. I can prove it. Right, parents? It's so much easier just to say, I'm going to give you a stick and a carrot. Don't you want the carrot? Here's the nice lovely piece of candy or you're going to your room and it's going to be hell to pay. You know that's that's how parents work. You want good and bad. I can modify your behavior. But you know what happens we teach children how to wear masks. Because hearts don't change. How many times have we walked into a cocktail party or some kind of party or some kind of barbecue and you're like, hey, how are you? Oh, it's so good to see. You. Oh, your hair's so pretty. Oh, you, I just like how you look. Oh, you're such and you walk away. And, I hate that woman. You know, and that's <laughs> because while you can change your behavior, it doesn't change your heart. And if we can't change our own heart, but we know we can change your behavior, it's so much easier for me to make you dress the same and do the same things and fight sin the same way that I do so that you and I are all on the same page and you don't rub me wrong anymore. We complicate it to change behavior, and that's not what Jesus intended. No, no, he, it doesn't stop the flesh. You cannot regulate the flesh. You cannot stop it with laws. Not all these to-dos and do-nots. You say, well, time out, Greg. Didn't God produce 10 do-nots? I mean, come on. They're called the Ten Commandments. Actually, he created eight do-nots, and two of them are do's. One of the do's is honor your father and your mother. Pat yourself on your back right now. You're honoring your mom. You did it for one day. All right. And now, the other one is take a day off every, after, out of every seven and worship God. Spend time with him. That's called the Sabbath. That, those were the two do's. The other ones are all do-nots. I don't think we disagree with most of them. You know, don't murder people. Well, um, I actually disagree with that one. No, man. <laughs> uh, don't commit adultery. You know, don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. I think we're pretty good with these don'ts. But even still, the other ones were like, you know, don't have any other gods but the God of the Bible. Don't create idols for yourself and worship in your own way. Don't use his name in vain. We're kind of like, hmm. So Jesus just simplifies says, Look, you, you get over. I didn't come to make more and more and more and more rules out of these rules because they don't regulate the heart. Here's what changes the heart, he says. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. He boils all ten down to two do's. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. So we do this, we try to do this, and we get together, and we're still rubbing on each other, and it's annoying, and it's irritating. And So Jesus, when he had all of his annoyed, irritated disciples sitting around a table on the last night of his life, he says, I'll make it even simpler for you. I'll give you a new command, a very simple new command. Love one another as I have loved you. And that's how Jesus simplified it. He says, love one another in the church as I have loved you, and it will prove to the world that you're my disciples how did Jesus love us? That when he saw our sin, he didn't ignore it. He pointed it out. He showed it as sin. He didn't tell us God's okay with us. Don't worry about it. No, he said it's, it's detrimental. It divides you from God and you're going to suffer for that. But then what he did is he willingly self sacrificed. He, he sacrificed his life to deal with our sin. He put himself in a situation where on the cross he bore our sin and took upon himself our guilt so that we would be forgiven. And in the church, then, he says, here's how we work together. You don't regulate each other. You love each other. You'd be willing to sacrifice for each other like I sacrifice for you. You hurt yourself in order to help another. You kill your time in order to give it away. You take your finances and you provide for someone who has little. You point out their sin and get into their life to help them out of the pit instead of tap them on the back and say, here's some rules, have a nice day. Christianity and following Jesus is simple. When we follow him together, it's just hard and difficult when we have to apply it. And so I want to challenge you. Maybe you thought, hey, you know, church ain't for me. This Jesus thing ain't for me. But I hope what you've you've discovered today is that maybe you've rejected the complications and unfortunately thrown out the simplicity along with it. But I want to invite you to carry the simplicity of following Jesus together. And let's reject all the complications, rightly. Because what Jesus offers you is the opportunity to follow him and to be forgiven of your sin and to be led into a life in which we learn what love really is. And yeah, that can be messy because it speaks truth with grace. And it's not always the easiest thing although it is a simple truth. So I want to encourage you guys to consider that today. Would you, would you please? That we follow Jesus together. Let's bow our heads. Father, I ask that you would just help us as we process this information and as we think through the idea of what it means to really follow you together. Lord, I want to lift up just those in this room right now that that may be considering whether or not this is the case and to reconsider church and following you. Would you speak to them now? And I just want to talk to you for a minute. You may not hear anything. God may not move you. He may. But I just want you to consider in your own mind whether or not you'd be willing to actually begin to follow Jesus with the others here if that's possible, or at another church, ignoring all the complications, trying to learn who Jesus is from his word, if you'd be willing to just begin that journey of following him. And if that's you, right now I want to give you a chance to do that just by simply telling God right where you're at. So you just say, God, I'm, I'm willing to follow Jesus. I'm willing to listen to what he said, to try to do the things that he did. I'm willing to try this out without all other complications. Would you please teach me? There may be others in this room today that we as Christians have realized we put undue burdens of our own spiritual ideas, of our own preferences on others. And we didn't mean to. I don't think it's something that you ever intended to do. But maybe it's something that you can ask God to help you see and to begin to work through that others around us may know him and be able to follow Jesus with us. So just spend some time right now with that in prayer.